0: You are Locked On Rockets, your daily Houston Rockets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ignition sequence start. Oh! Elijah Wan has David Robinson. Just bamboozled. LA out of the corner for three innings. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McLeany at the buzzer. Yeah. yeah! Yeah. Goes to hard, on top, steps right, shoots for the win of three! He got it. I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook. James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's going to be scary. Not for us. November 25th, 2019. A day that may very well go down in infamy as Eddie Johnson takes on seemingly all of Rockets' Twitter in one fateful Monday afternoon. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. I am your host, Jackson Gatlin, at JT Gatlin on Twitter, the subject of conversation for our first segment today, producer with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship here in Houston. Now, Before I dive into the Eddie Johnson Twitter saga, I have to put a bit of a disclaimer on this episode. I am struggling with a bit of a sore throat and a runny nose, so I promise to do my best to not sniffle my way through this show, and if I can help it, I won't do it at all. But it's there, because I try to record this as a little one-off. So if I sniffle, my apologies, just putting it out there. (laughs) There goes the one that I'll do. So sorry. Anyways, back to Eddie Johnson, best remembered for hitting the game-winning three in game four of the 1997 Western Conference Finals as he finished his career with the Houston Rockets, decided to take on all of Rockets' Twitter by posing the very simple question, simple yet confusing, had an interesting discussion yesterday with a gang of sports stoops eating my mama's food. Who's better right now, Harden or Doncic? And then he proceeded to post a poll, which is, at the time of this recording, sitting at 53% voting Harden, 47% voting Luka Doncic. And the interaction via the Twitters went something like this. There were three specific Rockets Twitter fans who decided to jump in on this thread, and one who, I think, got Eddie Johnson pretty good, honestly. I think he warranted a block from Eddie by the end of it all, so kudos to him. But we start off first with somebody who says, I certainly prefer watching Luca. I'm tired of the foul-seeking that Harden does. Rockets fan number one comes back. Luca does the exact same thing, LMAO. He studies Harden. Eddie asserts, no, he studies LeBron. And we come in Rockets fan number two. Should we believe you or Luca's own words where he specifically said he studied Harden? I'm not sure. Rockets fan three. And there's video of him saying it too. Folks don't want to give credit to Harden. Back to Eddie. I have video of him last week on national TV saying he has patterned his game off of LBJ since he was a kid. That's why he plays like LBJ. Back to Rockets fan number three. Okay, reference for those who are wondering question mark? Also, pretty sure he could be influenced by both of them. He was only 10 years old when Harden started playing, and slightly younger when LeBron did. Back to Eddie. He has also said LBJ is by far his favorite player. Back to Rockets fan 3. Didn't say that Harden's his favorite. Said his game was influenced significantly by him. Yesterday's matchup had plenty of examples of that. And we're back to Eddie. Ha, no. He didn't keep shooting threes and went 2 of 15. Sorry, no it wasn't. With terrible formatting, by the way, I will throw out there. The tweet was just, like, seven extra space marks. Like, what's going on? Back to Rockets fan number one, who takes the cake. Luca shot 14 threes. What do you mean he didn't shoot threes? Back to Eddie. He was 5 of 14, and James Harden was 2 of 15. You do the math. Rockets fan one. Wow, big difference, huh? The point you were making is Luca doesn't keep shooting threes when he clearly does. And we're back to Eddie. Okay, first grade alert. The point was, son, James Harden was off and he kept bricking, and that's a negative. Pass the ball or create a three for someone else like Luca did. Okay, bell just rang. Go to recess. Eddie thinks he's very funny. Rockets fan number one. Now you resorting to ad hominem because you know you lost this argument. Do you even know what ad hominem is? Maybe you should be going back to class instead of recess. And we're back at Eddie. Class, why? I made mine, so now, young'un, go back to studying and make it yours. I know what finish line is, and now I just sit back and enjoy. Hey, hopefully I will see you in a spelling bee soon. Is ad hominem from European descent? Rockets fan 2 chimes back in and corrects Eddie by correcting his spelling of the word descent, which was hilarious. Back to Rockets fan number 1. European descent... You're making yourself look like a clown. Ad hominem is a logical fallacy in which the user attacks the opponent instead of the argument itself. Eddie Johnson, I was being funny, you stoop. He loves that word stoop. I swear. Says it all the time. Rockets fan number one, ah, you were being funny. Should have known since that's what clowns do, right? Make people laugh. That's it. That was the tweet that did it. The tweet that broke the camel's back. Eddie retorts with, You're getting, you, sorry, you getting personal, youngster. You know I gave you some attention and now you are not thankful? Well, you will be punished now. Enjoy your alone time. And Eddie proceeds to block Rockets fan number one. I opted to not throw out their usernames simply because I don't know if they would want that. I'm trying to, I guess, not divulge that. But you can go find it on Twitter. It was a pretty funny interaction. And overall, it is a little silly that Eddie comes out here and, Asserts that Luca has modeled his game more after LeBron James, who plays. Luca plays nothing like LeBron. I mean, you can maybe make an argument for the passing, I suppose, but when has LeBron ever been known as a shooter? When has LeBron ever been known as being a crafty player who relies on his ability to start and stop on a dime? or his way that he relies so much on footwork and finesse. I mean, yes, LeBron is capable of some of those things. I'm not taking anything away from LeBron. He's arguably the second greatest basketball player ever for a reason. But Luka did not model his game after LeBron James. He modeled it after James Harden. There are plenty of examples of that. In all the matchups last season, in just the matchup yesterday, there's plenty of examples where you can draw direct parallels to James Harden, and Luka Doncic. Luka plays just like James does. And so Eddie, I guess getting a bit senile there in his older age, decided to poke the bear that was Rockets Twitter and cause a scene yesterday. It's pretty hilarious, honestly. If you're not on Twitter, I'd suggest you go check it out. If you are on Twitter, you probably already saw it. But I figured I would lead into our segment with that because Rockets fan number one over there, he hit the nail on the head. Eddie was acting a bit of a, bit of a fool, a bit of a clown. So with that, I leave you the Eddie Johnson Twitter saga from Monday afternoon, November 25th, 2019. I hope it was entertaining. And in the following two segments, we'll talk a little bit, Russell Westbrook, a little bit roster construction as a whole, and how that falls squarely, obviously, on Daryl Morey's shoulders. And we'll get there in just a moment. And we're back in here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Russell Westbrook. I want to spend a segment on Russell Westbrook because I don't want to have to do it in a recap episode where I'm cramming in stats and other numbers from other players and trying to talk about the context of a game. I just want to talk Russell Westbrook here for a moment. And it's fitting that I do this now because I'm actually going to be teaming up with Salman Ali here in probably about the next week or so as we do a joint podcast together to really pick apart Russell Westbrook as a Houston Rocket, his fit so far to this point in the season. But one thing that I want to touch base on right now concerning Russell Westbrook is I don't understand the people who are labeling this Russell Westbrook-James Harden pairing a failure. Does it fit as seamlessly as the Chris Paul pairing did? No. And that's because they're two completely different players. But again, what we've seen out of these two guys so far, we've seen glimpses where when Westbrook plays to the level that we know he's capable of playing at, this team looks really good. When Russell Westbrook is running and gunning with those Russ-only lineups, with the second unit lineups, this team looks pretty solid. This team has had dominant stretches. But overall, it's a team that's struggling with injuries. It's a team that has lost Gerald Green for the year, that has lost Eric Gordon until the end of December. It's a team that is missing any type of length, to play in the wing spots. It's a team that has faced a lot of challenges just 17 games in. And with that said, it's hard to want to paint this experiment a failure or hard to sit here and say we should ship Russ back out for other pieces or that we should blow the team up because there's no way that this team's winning a championship. Are there concerns? Absolutely. The defense has got to find some level of consistency. Offensively, the Rockets have been fine, even with James Harden getting double-teamed. The Rockets' offensive ratings in the Clippers game and in the Mavericks game, I don't have the numbers right in front of me right at this very moment, but they were fine offensively. They can put up points. This team will have no issue scoring the basketball. It's about playing defense. It really is. It's about, And it's about not shooting yourself in the foot by compounding an already middle-of-the-pack defense and a lineup that is playing extra minutes because you're extra thin and because Mike D'Antoni opts not to use guys 9 through 12 on his bench, it's about not compounding your already middle-of-the-pack defense by making mistakes offensively. And it's really easy to say to sit here and just say, oh, well, they should just hit more threes, but that's an easy way out. Obviously, yes, you would like it if Austin Rivers didn't go from downtown, or if Ben McLemore didn't go 0-6 against the Mavericks. That would be incredible, sure. But defensively, the team gave up so many opportunities to the Mavericks, and they they had a slow start, and none of this, none of these issues are directly caused by Russell Westbrook. Like, I'm sorry. Russell Westbrook, for the most part, has played well in a Rockets jersey. Have there been hiccups here and there? Does he... Commit more turnovers than Chris Paul would? Absolutely. He plays a reckless, chaotic style of basketball. But that reckless, chaotic style of basketball gives you a higher level of variance. It makes you unpredictable. And regrettably, the Rockets became predictable with James Harden and Chris Paul because you knew exactly what they were going to do every single time down the court. They weren't going to push the pace and get out in transition. That wasn't the game plan in the last two years. They were going to slow things down, they were going to hunt for mismatches, and basically you had Chris Paul playing a poor man's version of James Harden's game, where he was hunting for switches on bigs, trying to beat players off the dribble that he really couldn't beat anymore due to his declined athleticism. And so you had this very one-dimensional style of offense, and unless James was pouring in 40 or 50 points a night, you know, his whole unguardable tour type thing, you weren't winning games. It took a James Harden moving mountains to make that team good last year. It really did. But now with Russell Westbrook, you have a guy who changes the dynamic of the team, who can give you some actually, he can. He gives you a different dynamic, he gives you another layer to the offense. And I don't see any issues with that. Has it worked out perfectly so far? No. There have definitely been some hiccups. But overall... Westbrook especially in these last handful of games I know there was the three-pointer that he shot at the end of the Clippers game and that one was questionable he had time to maybe drive the ball in but it's the end of the game it's a high pressure high pressure situation and he saw the shot clock running down or he saw the game clock running down and decided to take a shot he was open and if the shot had gone in if Russell Westbrook had hit that shot the narrative would have been completely different. It really would have. Because that's just how basketball works. That's how we remember it. We remember it as a loss. And we remember it as Russell Westbrook missing that shot. But I'm fairly certain that most people, had he made that shot and had the Rockets come away with a win against the Clippers, most people wouldn't have been questioning the shot. Because most people would have been extremely happy about getting the win and happy that he had the guts to take the shot things of that nature. So yes, there are some questionable shots still from Russell Westbrook. But in the last few games, we've seen him fill in this role even more so where he is opting to not take shots and try to facilitate for his teammates, where he's giving up the wide-open three-point looks and instead choosing to drive the ball in and facilitate or get shots at the rim again in the Mavs game. He was 9 of 10 at the free-throw line. Should have had more assists than he did, but nobody was hitting shots. So I'm not ready to label this Russell Westbrook trade, this Russell Westbrook pairing with James Harden a failure because there's so many other variables for this team that come into play that can be credited for the losses so far this season. Again, and they're 11-6. and People would act like the Rockets haven't won a single game this season because they want to point the blame at somebody. Because the Rockets are on a three-game skid, everybody's unhappy, nobody wants to—everybody wants an easy answer. We'll put it that way. Everybody wants to point the blame at somebody, and because Russell Westbrook is the new guy, and because he's not a great shooter, and because he has had a few hiccups here and there, people want to point the blame at him. Because James Harden's getting a double team and not able to play his normal brand of basketball, and because he had a poor shooting night— People want to point the blame at him maybe, but overall, I'm not happy with what I'm seeing on social media and just talking with people in general about Russell Westbrook because so far his fit has been, again, not as ideal as Chris Paul's would have been, but he gives you a new dynamic. He gives you a different look. And to Russ's credit, he hasn't had the true blue roster that he should have had to really run and gun with this second unit. Eric Gordon was playing the first part of the season injured, secretly, until the news came out, and he opted for the knee scope, or arthroscopy, yeah, there we go. And so Russell Westbrook was playing with an impaired Eric Gordon in his second unit, and... At the same time, he's got all these new guys surrounding him. He's got Mike D'Antoni still tinkering with the lineups here and there. Russ hasn't had a chance to really thrive with the second unit. When he gets a fully healthy Eric Gordon, when he gets an Austin Rivers who isn't shooting, what is it, four of 30 or something, he's shooting like 15% over the last seven games. It's an abysmal shooting percentage for Austin Rivers. And then when he gets Ben McLemore, who is essentially filling that Gerald Green role when he gets him rolling again. I think the second unit can do some damage. I think that Russell Westbrook gives the Rockets the competitive edge because you can't question his heart. You can't question his drive, his motivation, his will to win. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. Is he going to always make the right read? Is he going to... Make the same play that maybe Chris Paul would have made? No. Maybe. He's different. He's just a different player. But we have an entire season to go of basketball to play. We have many more games for this team to try and win. And again, the Denver game was winnable. The Clippers game was very winnable. The Mavericks game got a little out of hand early. Because you had the number one ranked offense against a middle of the pack defense, missing a key guy. You had starters playing heavy minutes, but you were in that game right up until the end when the Mavs blew the doors wide open. So I'm not ready to credit Westbrook with all of the issues for the Rockets this year. Does he have some things to figure out as far as his, his shot selection and what he brings to the table? Yes, absolutely. Could he work on his spot-up shooting so that he, I mean, Russell Westbrook's, you know, an 11-year vet, 10, 11-year vet. He's not going to change who he is as a player. He's not going to suddenly develop a three-point shot this many years into the association. He's just not. So we can't expect him to change who he is, but what we can expect is for him to thrive at the things that he's good at, which is getting others involved. And if he gets others involved, guys just got to hit shots. Like that's what it boils down to. Rockets shot a woeful three point percentage, and therefore Russell Westbrook, who was turning down open looks trying to get other guys involved, suddenly it looks like he's not doing his part because he finishes the game with a one to one assist to turnover ratio. You know, six assists, six turnovers, or whatever it was. But again, not ready to call it quits on Russell Westbrook. This team has the potential, and. We'll talk a little bit about the roster as a whole here in this next segment. But first, a quick message from our friends over at Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. You can start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash lockedonmba. Now, if you're listening on the go, if you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com offers. And we're back here for the final segment at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, talking Rockets roster as a whole. Coming into the season, I was actually really impressed with this roster. I was firmly behind the signings of Tyson Chandler and Tabu Cephalosha. I thought that Russell Westbrook was going to be able to operate with more space than he's ever had in his career before with all these shooters around him. And so far, that hasn't really been true. The roster as it stands right now is missing a couple guys. Obviously, mentioned it earlier, you're missing Gerald Green for the whole season. That hurts. Losing Eric Gordon the way that you did plus his lackluster start to the year hurts. So not only are you undermanned, But once you lose your two shooters, suddenly the rest of the roster starts to show its weaknesses, I guess. You don't really have any defensive stoppers. Your two best defensive players are P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. Harden can play defense when he's locked in and engaged. But for the most part, he's not, again, I'm not going to say he's taking plays off, but that's just not who he is. When he's extremely locked in and engaged, he's a good defender, sure. We can call him an above-average defender and an excellent post-defender, but your two best defenders are P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. Clint Capella has been huge, anchoring the paint, grabbing 20, basically averaging a 20-20 over the last, what, six, seven games, something of that nature. So Clint Capella has really upped his play after coming to the season a bit sluggish, maybe not doesn't didn't quite have his stamina where it needed to be Mike D'Antoni kind of let him play himself into shape maybe still na- had that nagging shoulder injury whatever was going on with Clint he has looked incredible over this last stretch of games where he's basically averaging 20-20 so Clint's holding it down and those are your those are your three defensive-minded players right there on the roster regrettably Tabo Cephalosha he wasn't going to get you more than 10 or 15 minutes a night, anyways. But he's such an offensive liability in the sense that he's just got that slow release. He's a hesitant shooter. Can't really put the ball on the floor and create or do anything on that end. So he's largely unplayable. And when they do play him, it's Dan plays him for two, three minutes at a time just to get his guys a breather. Tyson Chandler works situationally, but for the most part, Tyson can't play against a lot of the younger, faster bigs in the league. Especially if you've got Tyson in a situation where he has to be switching and getting out to the three-point line, he's going to get burned. So that leaves you with roughly a seven-man roster. And then you've got your young guys. You've got Chris Clemens, you've got Gary Clark, you've got Isaiah Hartenstein. But overall, this team has a glaring need for a true eighth man off the bench because you've really got Eric Gordon and Austin Rivers, who are your 6th and 7th guys, respectively. I don't think Ben McLemore should occupy that 8th spot. He does right now, but the Rockets have a clear need for either a defensive wing or maybe a tweener of sorts. You know, a 3-4 combo kind of guy. Let's think, you know, Marcus Morris or Marvin Williams, something of that nature kind of a 3-4 tweener who can shoot from outside, who can play, doesn't have to be lockdown defense, but basically somebody who can slot into the 3-4 spot that Daniel House and P.J. Tucker occupy. Because the Rockets have been missing that specific person ever since they lost Luke Bamute and Trevor Ariza. Because overall, that 17-18 year worked so well because you had three 3-and-D wings... In Trevor Ariza, PJ Tucker, and Luke Bamute, who could cycle all the minutes at the 3 4 spot. And then you had James Harden, Eric Gordon, and Chris Paul who could cycle all the minutes at the two guard spots. And then you had Clint Capella and Nene who cycled the minutes at the five spot. That was your killer lineup. And Ryan Anderson was still kind of mixed in there a little bit, but he got phased out near the tail end of that season. He had that injury near the very end. I can't quite remember what it was, maybe ankle or back or he had some type of injury i want to say it was ankle where he then was coming off the bench pj tucker took the starting role and we never looked back so the rockets as presently constructed are sorely missing that true three and d that third three and d guy to slot in there next to daniel house and pj tucker ideally somebody with a bit of length somebody with some size at this point i'd settle for just a defensive guy it doesn't even need to be three and d They tried to fill that hole with James Ennis last season, and it didn't, didn't quite work out. So the Rockets have a serious need for an eighth man on this roster, and regrettably there's not a whole lot of avenues for improvement because the team is pretty much capped out. So you're looking at buyout market candidates, or you're looking at aggregating the salary of Nene, maybe McLemore maybe hartenstein whoever you can package together to try and get somewhere in the 5 to 7 million dollar range of salary and then you could take back what roughly 9 to 10 off of that give or take somewhere between 8 to 10 range 8 to 10 million dollars we've spoken about it before and i'm going to re up on it now gary clark could fill that need He really could. Because you look at what the Rockets are missing from that spot. They're missing length. They're missing defense. And they're missing a somewhat reliable three point shot. Gary gives you all of those things. So, whatever Mike D'Antoni did to, or sorry, whatever Gary Clark did to Mike D'Antoni to not warrant receiving playing time in a lineup that has nobody over six foot six that has nobody or very few players that are truly defensive-minded when the team's struggle is on the defensive end, it's just remarkable. And in a game like the Mavericks game where nobody on the bench is hitting shots, give them a shot. Give Gary Clark a chance. Give Chris Clemens a chance. I forget who I was talking to on Twitter who said that you can't occupy the Ben McLemore minutes with Chris Clemens or... Gary Clark or Isaiah Hartenstein, and that's just not true. You can occupy the wing minutes with James Harden, PJ Tucker, and Daniel House, and to an extent, Gary Clark, and you can pair Chris Clemens with, you can let him absorb some of the guard minutes. I mean, the, basketball is so positionless these days that it really doesn't matter, and if Clemens is out there with Clint Capella, who's soaking in 20 rebounds a game, There's not necessarily a worry about Clemens' inability to box out or somebody getting rebounds over him or he's shown that he is a capable defender, that he's not going to get absolutely torched out there. It's not the same as putting Tyson Chandler out there or Ryan Anderson out there who is, you know, those two guys are completely on an island on these switches that are so prevalent in today's NBA. Chris Clemens isn't that much of a defensive liability. He's just not. Is his height an issue? Absolutely. Will there be times that he gets burned simply because he's 5'9 and a player can shoot over him? Sure. The rest of the Rockets face the exact same issue when they're 6'5 guarding 7 footers. We saw that on opening night when P.J. Tucker was repeatedly guarding Brook Lopez down the stretch and Brook Lopez was just draining shots over him because it was the oldest play in the book, let the tall guy shoot over the short guy. So... Yes, there will be times where if Chris Clemens is on the court, a taller player may take advantage of the size mismatch and force Chris Clemens off the court. But it can't be any worse than the Rockets giving up backdoor cuts for easy layups or not getting back in transition and giving up easy dunks off of live ball turnovers. And on the offensive end, Clemens will hit you some threes. And just by hitting shots and not turning the ball over on offense, you've already improved your defense dramatically. This Rockets team, again, it shoots itself, they shoot themselves in the foot by not hitting their open looks and by turning the ball over because then you have to rely on your defense to win you these games and your defense just, right now, it's middle of the pack at best. It really is. But hopefully, The Rockets can find somebody in the buyout market where they can aggregate the salaries that are not currently being used for anything like the Nays to trade for a player that can be serviceable in this rotation because their top seven, their top seven is really good. Their starting lineup is phenomenal, still maintaining one of the best net ratings across the entire NBA. And then your first two guys off the bench are a great one-two punch in Eric Gordon and Austin Rivers when he remembers how to shoot the ball. Because both of those guys are plus defenders. Both of those guys are great offensive players, again, when they're not in shooting slumps. So your top seven for this team is a great core. You're just missing that one extra guy off the bench who, again, can ideally bring you a little bit of defensive presence and who can spell P.J. Tucker and Daniel House just a bit so that those guys aren't having to push the 40-minute marker every game, especially for P.J. Tucker. There's no reason for P.J. Tucker to be pushing the 40-minute mark in games in November. That's just... And we can blame Mike D'Antoni. But at the end of it, it is, in a way, a bit of roster construction issues too. The Rockets relied on end-of-the-offseason signings in Tyson Chandler, and Tabo Cephalosha to shore up the rest of the roster. They had guys in their training camp who might have been a better fit than the guys who made the final cut, but you've got Ben McLemore now, and I don't know if he's here to stay. His contract guarantee date, which surfaced on social media, is December 1st, so come December 1st, his contract gets suddenly guaranteed for $500,000, and That's not a small amount of change for a team that has repeatedly been vocal about not paying the luxury tax and hasn't shown any inclination via Tillman Fertitta to be willing to pay the luxury tax for a team that doesn't look like it is the bona fide favorite to win the title. And so now we'll find out in these these coming days if Ben McLemore makes the cut. He just had a Instagram post earlier where he was thanking James Harden for taking the time to mentor him off the court, or not only off the court, but on the court as well, kind of coaching him up, things of that nature. So you can read into that as him trying to not get waived. Hopefully that, hopefully Mike D'Antoni and company, James Harden, Russell Westbrook have taken enough of a liking to him for Daryl Morey not to have to waive him, because if they do they are going to be extremely thin for the rest of December, for the entire month of December, because right now he's your second guy off the bench. And if Mike D'Antoni's not going to be willing to give minutes to guys like Clemens and Clark and Hartenstein to limit the burden placed on the rest of the roster, you've got to keep Macklemore. And I think in shorter spurts, he can give you a lot of what Gerald Green did give you. He can give you that volume shooter off the bench that Quick release three point shooter, but in the minutes that he's being asked to be played right now, his flaws are magnified. And when he's not bringing you the one thing that he's supposed to do, which is shooting, everything else just looks bad. And at times he looks unplayable. But there were games where he shot, you know, four of 11, five of 11, where he was shooting a respectable number of threes and hitting them at a decent clip. It just hurts when he goes 0 of 6 and then has turnovers or. has defensive breakdowns and the Mavericks game just wasn't a great game for him, but I think he can be your ninth guy off the bench, the guy who gets kind of phased out as we get towards the towards the uh, playoff push near the end of the season. but it's very apparent the Rockets have moves to be made, they have needs in the roster, but a lot of this we're only talking about because they're losing. If the Rockets were winning, we'd be talking about how great the wins are, we'd be talking about how unstoppable James Harden is, how the dynamic duo of James Harden and Russell Westbrook is unstoppable, and how they're going to win the championship. But when you lose games, everything suddenly becomes doom and gloom, and it's important to remember that it's a long season. There's time for these things to work themselves out. Suddenly, what, two-thirds of the way through the season last year, Austin Rivers fell into the lap of the Houston Rockets. They discovered Daniel House last year, and now those two guys are two of your main contributors to this year's team. So there's still possibilities down the line. J.R. Smith is out there. There have been reports that J.R. Smith is not, or the Rockets have no current ties or you know interest to J.R. Smith from Kelly Eco of The Athletic. So... But I'm on the... I'm on the J.R. Smith hype train. I think he could give the Rockets some some decent minutes. I think he could do no worse than what Ben McLemore has been doing, which is simply just come in, set screens at the top of the key, hit your three-point shots, and play at least decent defense. Doesn't have to be a plus defender. Just you can't be a liability on the court on the defensive end, because there's enough guys that you can place around them. In Capella, in Tucker, and in Daniel House. There's enough guys out there, and James Harden when he's engaged, there's enough guys out there that you can get by with just having net average defenders. You don't got to be a plus defender. You just have to be net average. You can't be a negative out there. I think J.R. Smith gives you that. So maybe we'll see. The Austin Rivers signing kind of came out of nowhere last year, and it came out of necessity. It came because Chris Paul was injured, the Daniel House Jim. Finding him came out of necessity because you needed a guy to absorb some minutes. And so maybe this Rockets team that is undermanned, that is missing its at sixth at man of the year, and that is has a significant need at the wing spot currently, maybe this team finds another diamond in the rough, maybe they find another player who can come in and provide some meaningful minutes. And hopefully we find that down the line. Now for this Monday, November twenty-fifth episode. The day Eddie Johnson took on all of Rockets Twitter, this is where we break things. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want more content before our next show, social media is where everything's happening. Eddie Johnson's on there. I'm not going to drop his handle. I'm on there, at JT Gatlin. Our special analyst, Mr. Ben DuBose, is on there, at Ben DuBose. And of course, the show is on there, at Locked on Rockets. Past that, there's Facebook, which can be found at facebook.com slash lockedonrockets. The website, lockedonrockets.com. And of course, our email address, LockedOnRockets at gmail.com. All of these are different ways that you can consume content about your Houston Rockets. You can ask me questions about the team, make suggestions for the show, place advertising inquiries. Really, it's just a way for you to reach out and let us know if there's anything that we can do to improve this experience for you, our listeners. Beyond that, if you'd be kind enough to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya. Wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, if you could please subscribe and give us a five-star review. That's how you get the benefit of episodes that go straight to your inbox before they're published to the previously mentioned social media channels, and we get the benefit of looking attractive to potential advertisers and keeping this business model rolling along as the most regular podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. Again, for this Monday, November 25th, the day that will go down in infamy, this is where we break things. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I hope to have you back again very, very soon right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.